and start your engines. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you with us tonight. Just adjusting my levels a little bit here. And uh, a super great uh, show lined up for you. As always, we've got a special guest. This is the first time he's been with us before. His name is Ban- uh, Matt Brainerd, and uh, he's never been with us before, and he's with the Voter Integrity Project. And a lot of great questions to ask about what in the world happened in this last election. And we're not going to get into, you know, crazy conspiracy theories and all of that, but he has the actual numbers from the Secretary of State in these various states uh, of what actually happened and uh, a lot of just shocking information that's not being reported anywhere you may have heard matt brainerd on other shows he's a regular on with steve bannon on his war room show uh we wanted to have him on tonight because i've got so many of my own questions about what in the world happened in georgia in particular with the republicans that were in charge there what happened in arizona and there's a lot going on in arizona a lot of legal activity still trying to get the actual ballots in Maricopa County. And, and for whatever reason, they don't want to release that information. Apparently they've recently been forced to been ordered to by a judge, uh, a lot of suspicious activity going on. Yes. Joe Biden is the president. That's not going to change. No conspiracy theories. The election was certified, all of that, but there's no harm in going back. In fact, there's a lot of good uh, to be done and going back and looking at those numbers and looking at the irregularities in particular in these swing states so that we know what we're facing going forward. Uh, if there was some problems, uh, irregularities, fraud, whatever you want to call it, uh, we need to know about it so that we can resolve it for next time around. So that's in our guest segment tonight coming up in 28 minutes. Next week, we've got the Bible prophecy guy, Derek Gilbert uh, is here with us. And he'll be talking about what's happening in the news uh, as it relates to Bible prophecy. Always a fun guest to have. Derek Gilbert from Skywatch TV is here with us next week. All right. It's St. Patrick's Day this week. I don't know how many of you uh, plan to do anything for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I heard that they did dye the river green in Chicago, even though they're still not going to allow a lot of big gatherings or whatnot. They did dye the river green. And I've got a a history, you know, there I grew up in Chicago, uh, lived there until I was 18 years old before I went off to college. And I marched in the St. Patrick's Day Parade for four years, all four of my years while I was in high school. And so, uh, you know, that that tradition and all that goes on in downtown Chicago, that was part of my upbringing. So uh, it was uh, great to read that today that the river in Chicago is going to be dyed green uh, on the 17th, which is an annual tradition. I'm not sure if they did it last year or not. It was just, you know, when COVID was just getting going, uh, I'm not sure, uh, if they did it last year or not, but it's uh, great to see they're going to do it this year. Now I went ahead and made my own corned beef and cabbage and had that for dinner today 
because my wife and I are going to be traveling and I'm not going to tell you guys where I'm going. Uh, but if you follow me on social media, you'll be able to see all the stuff I'm doing. It's going to be just a short trip, about four days. It's a little driving trip we're doing to a nearby city we have never really spent any time in. Uh, my wife and I both met as professional touring musicians. So the truth is we've been in pretty much every American city multiple times, uh, you know, as touring musicians. But and I'm sure I've been in this city before or at least been through it, but never really spent any time there. And I'm not going to tell you the name of the city. We'll leave it as a mystery and you can follow me on social media. All of my links are at christianmoney.com, including, you know, the fun ones like Instagram and Facebook and those places where I will be posting my uh, short vacation pics. The stimulus checks are already out the door. Uh, so if you're already set up with automatic deposit with the IRS, there's a very good chance you may have already gotten your money. Now, I'll tell you something kind of strange that's going on. Two banks have come out, and if you're with either Wells Fargo or Chase, this is strange. Um, apparently, what they're saying is that even though the stimulus checks are actually hitting bank accounts this weekend, because they're not supposed to be going out until the 17th, which is kind of like, you know, I wonder, like, why is that any of their business? I mean, if the money has hit the bank account, it should be good to go. But apparently what they're doing at Chase and Wells Fargo, according to what I've read today, is they're not making those funds available, which is kind of creepy, because when you think about all the money that banks make on the float, uh, if there's a government deposit into your bank account, Maybe it happens to come in a couple of days early, then that's to your benefit, right? It shouldn't be to the bank's benefit, but apparently two banks are doing that. Uh, but if you want to find out uh, when you're getting your check, it's super easy to do. All you have to do is go to this website, irs.gov forward slash coronavirus, irs.gov forward slash coronavirus. Once you get there, uh, there's a blue button towards the top of the page where it says something like get my payment or check on my payment. Um, click on the get my payment button and then you'll just put in a little bit of information. It'll ask you uh, your date of birth, your social security number, your address, some stuff like that. That's to verify you. And then once you click through, it'll tell you uh, when your check is being deposited. Most people are telling me that it's saying the 17th, which is the official day. And since everybody's already set up with the portal, at least most people are, most people should see that money by Tuesday hitting their bank account, if not already. Now, the second part of this that a lot of people are asking about is what about the child tax credit? And this is, I don't know, you know, why they made this so confusing or so different. I, I just don't know. Um, but what they've done is they've increased the child uh, tax credit amount. And this is significant, but it's not in a, a one-time lump sum as a lot of people were kind of expecting and, and hoping for. So, so the stimulus check is going to be $1,400 uh, per adult. So if you're a two-household uh, you know, husband and wife uh, and you're under the income thresholds, you should be getting $2,800. 
Now, for each dependent you have, the amount of money you'll get is a little bit different. There's a one amount for zero to five to six, and then from six to 16 or 17, there's a couple of different amounts. But in any case, uh, to just to give you an example of, of how this would work is uh, it's something like $300 or so per kid that you'll be getting in a refundable tax credit. But you won't get that money now. How you're going to get that money is starting in July, you'll get a $300 a month check. So July through December, you'll get $300 a month for each child, roughly. It's a little bit more, I think, for the, the little ones and then a little bit less for the ones that are a little bit older. But I'm just using you know the average here, about let's say about $300 a month. So you get $300 a month from July through December. And then when you file your taxes next year, you'll get a lump sum for uh, 300 a month times six for each kid. So if you qualify for the, um, uh, the tax credit, which, you know, all the numbers are there at that website I just gave you, irs.gov forward slash coronavirus. So uh, most families are going to qualify for that. If you meet the thresholds for the stimulus, you'll get the child credit too. And so a lot of money there and it's not it's not going to come as a one lump sum you'll be getting the 2800 as one lump sum but then you'll be getting the money for the kids this time as a monthly payment again starting in July paid out through December that's half of your year the other half you'll get when you file your tax return next year at least that is the latest and I've checked this with several sources that is the absolute latest on how that money is going to be paid out now the big question is is this in any way sort of paving the way for a some kind of a universal basic income? This idea of starting to send people monthly checks for each kid they have, a lot of people are worried, including yours truly, that this is somehow setting the stage for universal income. <laughs> but, but think about it in these terms. What politician is going to take that away, Right. So if you're a family and you've got, you know, three or four kids and you're getting a thousand dollars a month or more that's coming in every month automatically, and then all of a sudden that gets taken away. I mean, you can tell people up front, this is only going to last for six months. It's only going to last for a year. But when you give someone a thousand dollars a month, extra money for a year, they're going to live on that money that that's going to become part of their, their lifestyle. Now, what happens then a year out? How, how do you take that away? And I mean, we can't afford to keep putting this money out there. I mean, somebody has said to me uh, recently, look, it doesn't matter. The government just prints money. We've got all this debt, but it doesn't matter because we'll print more money to pay the debt. Uh, it is now becoming a real problem. The issue of inflation and inflation is, is causing Everything to go up. I mean, just go to the grocery store and look at what's happening at the the price of groceries. Uh, but you're also, you know, looking at what the government's having to do to deal with that is to raise interest rates. And uh, we're already seeing, you know, the, about a half percent increase on the 10 year bond, which affects mortgage rates, which then directly affects the real estate market. But look, all of this money is just, you know, pouring out into the economy. Uh, that is the textbook definition of inflation is you have um, you know too much money chasing too few goods and services. If you haven't taken basic uh, economics, that is what inflation is, and this is certainly textbook inflation. So 
it's a stimulus on the one hand, but could it be too much? And the way that it's being distributed, could it create dependency? These are questions that uh, a lot of people are asking. Now, if you do get a stimulus, you might want to consider using some of that money uh, to do something for your future. And I can suggest one thing to you, uh, which is internetpaycheckforlife.com. And we have several new people that have just started to join us, telling us it's because of the stimulus money. But if you want to learn how to make an income on the internet, how to start your own online business, and uh, it's really, really different than anything you've ever seen. And the proof of that is that I make available uh, a number of these lessons for free. So you can check it out to see if it's for you. But this is a great second income, a great income for down the road during retirement. Uh, check it out. All of the details are there for you, including three free lessons for you to check it out. Check it out today. Internet Paycheck for Life. Dot com. That's tonight's sponsor, internetpaycheckforlife.com. Well, if you haven't been following cryptocurrency, uh, Bitcoin hit a new high over the weekend, uh, presently trading at about $60,000 for one Bitcoin. Uh, people used to laugh at me. I, I talk about this in my book, which you can see over my right shoulder, the 90-minute Bitcoin quick start. Um, I remember very, very much <laughs> people laughing at me. And I'll be honest with you, it kind of made me feel bad, especially when they were people that were, you know, people I respected and were sophisticated and they just uh, rolled their eyeballs and laughed at me. Uh, people aren't laughing anymore. But I talk about this a little bit in the beginning of the book, <laughs> in particular, uh, a little gathering I was at here at a local uh, private home. Someone had a very upscale party. And uh, they asked me, what do you do for a living? And I said, I, I'm a writer. And they said, what's your latest book on? And I said, Bitcoin. And uh, it was like I dropped a bomb. I mean, they were just almost like they felt sorry for me that I was this young, stupid guy that thought anything of Bitcoin. I still have people, you know, friends, people I know that still think it's a crazy idea. But uh, look, uh, it's $60,000 for one Bitcoin. And uh, where does it go from here? Uh, of course, every time we hit one of these levels, everybody says, oh, it's too high now. It's going to come down. <laughs> they said that when it hit $1,000, they said that. Uh, we've had people on this show that have said, you know, look, the math would support uh, $100,000. Some have said a million. Some have said uh, $2 million. Uh, Don't put anything in more than you can afford to lose, but uh, certainly something to take a look at. And I do have an online course about that. There's a link to it. Uh, over at my website, christianmoney.com, or you can just grab my book on Amazon, uh, which goes for, I think it's like 14 or 15 bucks and a lot of good stuff in there, including how to get Bitcoin for free, uh, some strategies on how to get Bitcoin for free, which is really cool as well. Uh, the book is the 90 minute Bitcoin quick start. All right. People are disengaging from media, not just social media, but media altogether. I don't know about you, but I've kind of fallen into this, I don't know, I've kind of fallen into this feeling the last week or 10 days. I'm not that interested in the news right now. Maybe we miss Trump. <laughs> Maybe there's just nothing interesting, all that interesting happening in the news. I, I know I haven't been posting as much the social media, but I thought it was uh, fascinating to uh, look at some of the ratings, uh, in particular CNN's ratings for some of their shows 
are off by more than 30%. I mean, you can only imagine how much money that's costing them in ad revenue. I mean, to, to lose a third or more of your audience. And it's probably worse than that. I don't always trust these ratings, but I knew this would happen. And the problem you have is these shows, these night shows like Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon that built their whole show around the idea of hating Trump. <laughs> what do they do now? I mean, what, what do they do now? I mean, what's, what's the next thing? And, and speaking of Trump, um, you know, Michael Cohen, Trump's former attorney, um, you know, the guy, he wrote a book and he and Trump had a falling out. He served a short time in prison. Um, he, he, uh, issued a very ominous tweet, uh, in the last couple of days, basically suggesting that an indictment was coming, uh, for Trump from the uh, prosecutor in New York, Cyrus Vance Jr., uh, the district attorney there. Wow. Wouldn't that be a bombshell? And supposedly Michael Cohen claims he's been interviewed now, seven or eight times by Vance regarding information on properties in New York City owned by Trump. And the allegation is that there was some uh, over, you know, inflated uh, numbers used for borrowing against those properties. Uh, who knows if anything will come of that? Uh, but uh, that was sort of an ominous thing to see. Uh, wouldn't that uh, be something if uh, they tried to criminally charged Trump uh, in New York over, uh, you know, something from the past regarding his real estate. It's almost like, you know, let this guy, you know, go on. You guys now have the White House and you're passing all these uh, crazy laws and doing all this uh, insane stuff. Just uh, <laughs> have your fun and leave our guy alone. But uh, but maybe they're not going to do that. Uh, speaking of New York, it looks like Andrew Cuomo is pretty much finished. Uh I don't know what are we up to like seven women now have come out and accused him of sexual harassment one even saying he you know grabbed her physically grabbed her uh it looks really bad for Cuomo and and really everybody has called now for his resignation and I I just find this fascinating because these allegations if you read the stories about what he's accused of the accounts go back years and years and years. And even men are coming out now that work for him. They're not saying that they were sexually harassed, but they're saying that he's a bully. He's condescending. It's a hostile workplace. And people are coming out of the woodwork talking about that kind of thing that's been going on for years. And then the sexual harassment that's been going on for years. So the, the thing that I was thinking about is, you know, how how is this just all all of a sudden, just you wake up one day and then all of this information for all of these years comes out. You, you got to think that maybe there's something coordinated going on behind the scenes. Now, I've heard different theories. One theory is they want to get rid of Cuomo so that he doesn't run for president uh, in four years uh, to upset the plans for Kamala Harris to be able to be the front runner. I don't know that that just sounds that just doesn't sound plausible to me that that would be the reason that they would all it's it's almost like there's something else going on here. I don't know if maybe these nursing home deaths and, and, and hiding those numbers, which is the allegation, maybe that is going to result in a criminal charge and they want to get rid of him before he's criminally charged. I just don't know. But it, it just strikes me as very 
curious and very suspicious that all of a sudden, you know, one day he's the golden boy of the Democrat Party, you know, son of Mario Cuomo. Um, I mean, this guy's got, uh, you know, the, the roots going all the way back, you know, to the father, uh, almost like the Kennedy dynasty. And don't forget, he was married to a Kennedy. He was married to one of the children of of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, so, um, you know, he was married uh, to, to RFK's uh, one of his children. Um, not 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 RFK Jr. RFK, I believe, uh, was was actually the, the father, of one of his children. Uh, they're they're divorced now. Carrie Kennedy was the wife, and they're divorced now. But I mean, talk about a, a dynasty politically uh, for Cuomo to be forced to resign. And this has come all the way to the White House and President Biden. <laughs> he's the last one to, to, to not come out. You know, he's the last one. He hasn't come out yet and said anything until today. He came out and said uh, when they asked him, are you calling for Cuomo to resign? And he said, let's just wait and see what happens with the investigation. So he's the last the last one left, the last ally that uh, Cuomo has. Uh, apparently, uh, and and that's not uh, much of a ringing endorsement of support. It's just uh, simply kind of trying to stay neutral, and uh, that's kind of curious too why why he would do that. Uh, so there's a crisis at the border. If you if and we're not allowed to use the word crisis. So when the reporters in the White House press uh, room ask about this to uh, Jen Psaki, they ask her about the crisis. Well, we can't use the term crisis. They want it to be called a challenge at the border. But depending on whose numbers that you look at, even the most conservative numbers, we've got uh, double to triple the people coming across the border now. And there's literally a, a, a crisis beyond uh, any measure with children coming across the border that are unaccompanied. These are children without parents, without legal guardians, underage children coming across and the most horrifying part of this and the white house does not deny it is that they're actually uh, in some cases they're not testing at all but in, in in other cases they are testing for covid and those that are positive are still being put on buses and sent uh, into the interior of the united states even with covid now you tell me how that makes sense you're going to ask me to wear a mask or the latest is to wear two masks. I guess if you live in California, they're going to ask me to wear a mask, but they're going to take positive, you know, COVID positive people coming across the border and send them into the United States, put them on a bus, uh, cram them on a bus with other people that they're going to be exposed to. How could you possibly do that? And they don't deny it. This is not some conspiracy theory. Uh, and their only really response to this is that they look at the treatment of the COVID positive person as a matter for local authorities. So here you have the federal government opening up the border, putting these people on, I guess it's charities that pay for the bus ticket, but these people get taken to bus stations, charities then pick up the cost of the bus ticket. And these people are sent into the interior of the United States to various major cities and then it's the responsibility of those cities to deal with the medical costs uh, related to that person having COVID, not to mention them possibly spreading it uh, to someone else uh, in that city. But and they don't deny this. This is actually 
what is happening at the border. You can go online and, and look up the news stories yourself. It's absolutely what's happening. And I just can't make any sense of it. Even if you're somebody that is, is super liberal and you're pro-immigration, how could you possibly be for COVID-positive uh, immigrants being you know, uh, transported into the country on buses? I, I can make no sense of it. I mean, even in the world of the the liberal Democrat world, you can always kind of come up with something like, oh, well, this is what they're trying to do. But, but I'm I'm at a loss. I, I can't think of any possible reason that they would want to do this other than just liberal lunacy once again. Now, you remember the young lady that was shot and killed in the Capitol on January the sixth. Her name was Ashley Babbitt. And uh, she was killed. Uh, she was shot. And what is suspicious about this? First of all, we're now learning that this so-called insurrection uh, to take the, the, the thought was that the Democrats, uh, Pelosi, that these people came in there with thoughts of taking over the government. Uh, how that would work, I don't know. I mean, this is not like capture the flag, right? So these people come in there, one guy wearing a shaman uh, uniform, a shaman suit uh, carrying a flag. Uh, none of them had any firearms at all. We now know this. This is confirmed by the FBI. But we have this young uh, woman who is in her 30s. Uh, she is an Air Force uh, veteran, and she was shot and killed uh, in the Capitol that day. And uh, nobody can explain why she was shot. She was unarmed, um, and she was there. We don't even really have any facts on this. There's no incident report where you can even know who shot her, like what officer shot her. Um, it's all being kept hush-hush, the, the whole situation. We just don't know, but I just think that is very curious. And her family is considering a major lawsuit uh, and demanding, at a minimum, they want to know what happened. They And they're, they're entitled to that, right? They're entitled to know what happened. Because the one thing about that January 6th event that disturbed me was I've seen several videos, at least five of them, where the Capitol Police actually opened up the gates and let people in. And I'd said this on the show at that time. If I were there um, as someone who is part of the media and they waved me in and opened the door for me, I would have gone in uh, with the intention of filming. And that would have been my only intention of going in there. Um, and I would have probably been on the FBI list and no fly list and maybe been charged and all of that. Uh, and you just wonder in the case of Ashley Babbitt, uh, was she just someone that was, you know, a lot of people said they went in there, they were curious to see, uh, what would happen. A lot of people said they were hoping to maybe talk to, uh, an elected, uh, their elected representative when they went in there probably was a bad idea to go in there. No doubt. And it was certainly a horrible idea to do anything violent, to damage property, uh, to fight with the police. All of that is horrible. We've denounced that numerous times on the show. Um, but you've got to think in that crowd of people that there were some just people that went in there just, you know, I, I don't agree with what's happening and I'm going to go in here and maybe I'll have a chance to uh, talk to someone about it. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, make that my protest uh, an opportunity to uh to uh, just, you know, state that I disagree and, and peacefully, if you will, 
go in there and, and protest. And, and I think some of them had that in mind. Uh, certainly we're not endorsing any of those that were violent, but I think it's just uh, really suspicious why we don't have any of the facts about the Ashley Babbitt incident. And I'm sure we're going to hear more about that uh, this week. And speaking of uh, legal cases and all of that, uh, if you haven't been following it, and I know a lot of people haven't because jury selection is very boring. It really is. But it's probably the most important part of any criminal trial. Don't let anybody tell you differently. That's probably where the trial is won or lost is in jury selection, but it's not very interesting or exciting. Um, I believe they've got seven or eight of the jurors that they need. So we're almost done with the uh, jury selection, the Derek Chauvin uh, case. And uh, we're probably looking at maybe in about a week that trial starting. And man, is this going to be explosive? Because as we talked about last week, there's a lot of mitigating uh, facts on the side of Derek Chauvin. Uh, And like we've said on the show before, I personally do not see any good reason to hold a man down like that for nine minutes that's saying they can't breathe. I don't care what the procedures uh, say. If I were a police officer and you got three officers, you got a guy in handcuffs, you could have done something differently. That's my view on it. Uh, But now they want this, you know, Chauvin to be uh, convicted of second degree murder, which is probably overcharging. And you wonder what this jury is going to do when all this other information comes out, which what I'm reading is uh, fentanyl overdose. I'm reading that he had uh, severe heart issues uh, before this. I'm reading that the cause of death is not asphyxiation, but it's more about the heart issues and the drug, uh, the drugs in his bloodstream at the time. Uh, there's a lot of other mitigating facts that are, is really going to throw a wrench into this. And, uh, you know, Minneapolis just gave $27 million to his family in the civil lawsuit settlement. So, wow, just wow. I mean, uh, it's almost like they can't afford for Chauvin uh, to get even convicted of a lesser charge because of what would happen in terms of of the rioting uh, there in Minneapolis. Okay, that is our new segment. We'll take a one-minute break and refire the open. We'll be back with tonight's special guest. Super excited. It's his first time with us. His name is Matt Brainerd, and he is with the Voter Integrity Project. All about what do we know now about what really happened on November 3rd. That and your questions will open up phone lines as well. We'll be back in one minute. Stay